Previously, we talked about how does a Christian loses his or her position before God. Now, on this video, what we are going to talk about is how does a Christian live a life of Christian falsehood? It's either you feel it's either you are a Christian but you feel you aren't or you feel like you are a true Christian but the thing is you aren't a true Christian but which is which it doesn't matter what we are aiming here is how to have an assurance of salvation so we have to determine if we are still really in faith or what if we thought that we are still in faith, but the truth is, we are already swerving our life to a different direction. As I say, it is easy to claim the title of a Christian, but living a Christian walk is really difficult. As the Bible says, narrow is a road that leads to life and only few will find it so we have to know that there is only a thin line between sin and holiness it is easy to compromise but as we are the church bride of christ we have to live a life spotless and wrinkled free before god so we have to have a health check on our Christian walk is the thing that we are doing still in line with our Christian faith is our response to a particular situation still glorifies the Lord but if it doesn't then there is a problem on our life so we have to know what is really the root cause of our problem and we know that the root cause of our problem of course it's sin and we know that sin starts in our heart so we have to set our hearts unto jesus to look unto jesus the author and perfecter of our faith now in this particular topic we're going to start reading in the book of isaiah isaiah chapter 28 verse 15. Isaiah chapter 28 verse 15 it said that because you have said we have made a covenant with death and with hell are we at agreement when the overflowing scourge shall pass through it shall not come unto us for we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hide ourselves. Now, in this particular verse, we know, of course, that as we came to know God, as we give our life to Jesus, supposedly, we started a covenant with God. And that covenant is up until the time that Jesus will return, 
and we will meet him up in the air and God will welcome us in his kingdom. So, in this verse, there is another covenant that, be, that is being mentioned, which is covenant with death and hell. So, the, the question here is, how does a Christian, remember, Isaiah is talking to the people of Israel here, to the people of Judah. So, in this verse, how, why is it mentioned that the people is having a covenant with death and hell? So here, we learn that living a life of falsehood, that if we live a life of falsehood and lies, we have a covenant with death and hell instead of having a covenant with the Lord. Now, how to live a life of falsehood? We have to know how we have to know how how come that a Christian who is supposedly had a good relationship with God started to live a life of falsehood. We have to know this in order for us also to check our life if we are already in that condition wherein we are no longer in the faith. We thought that we are still very near to God, but the truth is we are already very far away from God. How to live a life of Christian falsehood? Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 28, verse 1 to 3. Let's read from Isaiah 28, verse 1 to 3. It said that, Woo to the crown of pride, to the drunkard of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which are on the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord had a mighty and strong one, which as a tempest of hail and a destroying storm, as a flood of mighty waters overflowing, shall cast down to the earth with a hand. The crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim, shall be trodden under feet. So in Isaiah chapter 38 verse 1 to 3, here the Lord is rebuking Ephraim because of their crown of pride or spiritual pride. So how come that Ephraim have that so-called spiritual pride. Remember, in the time of their fathers, the sons of Jacob, supposedly, Reuben is the firstborn son, so Reuben has the right, the birthright of the firstborn. But, Reuben was rejected because he defiled his father's bed by sleeping on one of his father's concubines. So Reuben was being disqualified on the right of a firstborn son. But because God saw the faithfulness of Joseph, God chose or God chose Joseph in place of Reuben. And we also know that Joseph has two sons at the end of Genesis in Genesis chapter 50 or on the latter part of the book of Genesis. 
I think it's Genesis 48. Joseph has two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Manasseh was the firstborn, Ephraim is the second son. But Jacob anointed Ephraim to have the right of a firstborn instead of his brother Manasseh. So meaning, Ephraim is not entitled to the right, but God chose Ephraim. So here, instead of instead of valuing that right or that right of or the privilege of being chosen by God, the tribe of Ephraim is the one who is first and foremost break off God's covenant by not obeying God. And instead of asking for God's help, they ask for the help of Egypt. And we know that the representation of Egypt in the Bible is the land of sin. So what does it signifies in our life? Remember, when we come to know God, we are also being called by God. We, are, we aren't qualified to the life of God, to the blessings of God, but God still called our life. However, every time that we do not value our calling, every time that instead of asking help to God, we ask help for people or we believe on our own might, on our own strength, we are also having that so-called spiritual pride. God wants us, however, to instead of relying on ourselves, God wants us to have a total dependency to himself since he is our father. So here, what is God's judgment to Ephraim? God's judgment to Ephraim is this. Their same pride will, they will become their stumbling block. The thing here, number two, how to live a life of falsehood, number one, is spiritual pride. Number two, we can find this in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 7 to 8. But they also have erred through wine, and through strong drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet, so God is talking here to the priest and the prophet of Israel, have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of... They are out sorry they are out of the way through strong drink they err in vision they stumble in judgment for all tables are full of vomit and filthiness so that there is no place clean we all know that priests and prophets are the one who mediates between god and the people of israel so the prophets and the priests are supposedly God's messenger to the nation Israel. But instead of doing their assignment, studying the will of God, and relaying God's will to the people, they are marrying and drinking. They are enjoying themselves by drinking wine. 
And because of that, they did they didn't notice that the table that they use are unclean before the eyes of the Lord. So what does it mean unto us? We know that in the new covenant, we are also the priests or the priestly kingdom of God. We are the kingdom of priests before God. And we are the messengers of God's word to the world. Now, if we do not value that calling and instead of doing our assignment, studying the will of God, discovering the will of God, and knowing God, we are finding our happiness on something else. And we enjoy our life by means of enjoying ourselves on temporary things. God is telling his people here in Isaiah chapter 28 that we will never notice that we are or that our life is no longer fitted before God. That we are all already living a life of compromise. That we are already living a life of sin. And also, it is also being said in this verse that the prophets and priests err in vision and stumble in judgment. Meaning, as we forget to give our times or to give, as we forget spending our time meditating God's word and discovering God's will, time will come that God will also not reveal Himself to us. Time will come that we will no longer stand, that we will no longer understand His word because we didn't spend time with God, but instead we exchange our time dedicated to God to the to that of the world God is telling the people of Israel in verse 9 to 13 whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast for precept must be upon precept Percept upon percept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause, the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them, Percept upon percept, percept upon percept line upon line line upon line here a little and there a little that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken so what does it mean god's judgment to these people and also to us if we neglect our position as priests and priestess of god in his kingdom because of this neglect 
the very word of God that they preach, the very word of God that we preach today will also be a snare to us. How will it become a snare to us? Simply, doing the word of God became also a burden to them and also to us if we do not apply God's word in our lives. How? For example, we preach the people about the importance of prayer, but we ourselves cannot pray to God because we know that we, sin we are sinning against God and we cannot approach the throne of God with confidence. So the very word that we preach also became a burden to us because we, can sim we can't simply apply it in our lives. If we preach to start to if we preach the importance of studying the word of God, that very same word that we preach will also become a burden to us because we can no longer handle what the words of the Bible is telling to our lives. Also, we know in verse 16, if we continue reading the chapter 28 of Isaiah, Therefore thus said the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornered stone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Here, God is talking about the foundation that God will send to Zion. And we know that that foundation is no other than Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the stone whom the builders reject and became a cornerstone. We know that in the new covenant, our life is now the temple of God. And as our life is the temple of God, we are the builder of this life. But although we are the builder of this life, our foundation must always be Jesus Christ. Now, if we reject this stone that is supposedly the foundation of our life, that same stone that we reject will be the cornerstone. And this cornerstone will be our stumbling block. Because we rejected God's word by not applying the word of God in our lives, even, even so that we read the word of God, even so that we preach the word of God. And unless we apply it in our life, it only means that we are rejecting the word of God in our life. And as we reject Christ, the word who became flesh, the very word that we preach will always be our stumbling block. Because the very same word that we preach to people will also the same word that that will God that will use by God to judge our lives. Also, number three, aside from number two, we have here complacency, meaning we enjoy ourselves in doing temporary things instead of doing things of God. Number one, spiritual pride. Number two, complacency. Number three, we can find that in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 10 to 15. Whose mouth and lips preach God, but has a heart that is far away from God, and who have a secret life or secret sins. Let's read. Let's read Isaiah chapter 29, verse 10 to 15. 
For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep, and hath closed your eyes. The prophets and your rulers, the seers hath he covered, and the vision of all is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one that is learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he said, I cannot, for it is sealed. And the book is delivered to him that is not learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he said, I am not learned. Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as these people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among these people, even a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hide. Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord, and their works are in the dark. And they say, Who seeth us, and who knoweth us? So what does it mean? Here, the Lord is telling, or the Lord is showing Isaiah a vision wherein there is a scroll, probably containing God's word, and the angel is giving it to a learned man, to a wise man, but the man here said that he cannot he cannot take away the seal of the scroll and he cannot read it because he is not learned or he do not understand the will of God. Why? What, what is this particular vision? Or what is the significance of this vision to our lives today? We all know that as Christians, we are also reading the Bible we are studying the word of God. But the thing here is, God said that to them I will speak in parables. Why? Why does Jesus said that he will speak in parables? Because if our heart is not correct before God, if we really do not seek God with all of our heart, even though how much we try to study the Bible, even though we go to Bible school or seminary, God will still not reveal himself to us. Because God is looking in our hearts. God is looking in our lives. Remember in Romans chapter 12 verse 1, we are the living sacrifice that God is asking for himself, not any animals. Our life is the living sacrifice that God wants to accept. So we have to make this life an acceptable sacrifice before God. So, even though how much we learn, the Bible said that the Bible said that this flesh is in enmity with the spirit and the spiritual things can only understand by spiritual people. Only the spirit can understand the spirit. So as long as our life is not fitted before God, then we cannot understand 
what the Spirit of the Lord is teaching His people. So we have to set our hearts right before God. This is a warning for every one of us Christians. Even though we attend Bible studies, prayer meetings, Sunday service, fellowships, if we still didn't apply the Word of God in our life, and if still our heart is speaking otherwise, we are still considered as hypocrites, and God is not pleased in our life. So we have to have to set our hearts right before the Lord. Number four, how to live a life of Christian falsehood. We can find this in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 1 and 2. Woe to the rebellious children, said the Lord, that take counsel but not of me, and that covered with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, that walk to go down into Egypt, and have not asked at my mouth, to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh, and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. So here, number four is, if we do not consult God for help, but ask the help of man. We are living a life of falsehood if instead of asking the help of God first, as we are asking for, the, for divine intervention and for the wisdom of God, instead of consulting God, we consult men first. So why does people tend to ask help from man instead of asking help for God? If we go reading chapter 30, verse 9 of Isaiah, it says that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. So we tend to ask man for help and for advices because we cannot we cannot accept the word of God in our lives. We cannot accept the truth of the word of God. And we know that the purpose of God's word is to rebuke, reprove us, and train us to become perfect servants of God. Let's read chap let's read first Timothy chapter. Let's read on 1st Timothy chapter, no, 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. This is the purpose of the scriptures. All scriptures is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So that is the purpose of the gospel, for us to become righteous before God. The gospel is correcting our lives. So if a person cannot accept God's correction, he instead of asking for God's help, he tend to ask help from man. And the Lord is clear that the judgment of the Lord on these people, he says in Isaiah chapter 31 verse 3, both the helper and the one who was helped will fail. And if we go back in Isaiah chapter 30 verse 3, and it will be their shame remember god loves to help his people 
because God wants for His name to be glorified by His people and by the world, who will see that, uh, who or who will, God wants His name to be glorified by His people and by the world, who will witness how God is good to His people. So, every time that we ask help from men instead of asking God's help, God is being insulted. So, God said that both the helper and the one who is being helped will fail. So ask yourself, sometimes there are things in our life, we ask God, why we experience failure? Why we experience bad things in our life? Maybe it's because instead of asking for God's approval first, we tend, we tend to rely on our own wisdom and strength. And worst case scenario is this. With, even as a believer, we try to rely on the approval and wisdom of unbelievers. And that is a great insult before God and an idolatry before God. The Bible said that trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not may on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Meaning, if we only trust in God and lean not on our own understanding as we keep on asking for God's help, God says that He will direct our paths. So now, I give you four ways on how a Christian live a life of Christian falsehood. I believe this, this is a great enlightenment to all of us. And now let's move on to a hope that God had given to his people. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 15. For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength and ye would not. Let's take away first the last part. At ye and ye would not. Let's cons let's um let's focus first on the word for thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. What does returning and rest means? Returning and rest means repentance. And we know that true repentance is this. We can find this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9. True repentance is turning away from idols to serve the one and true living God. Meaning, if before we are facing the world, as we turn away from the world, we are now facing Christ. It is a 180 degree turning away from sin. And that is also as what the, as what Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 is saying. Look unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. As we turn away from sin, we are now facing Jesus and we are copying Jesus because the life of Jesus is our goal. To copy Jesus is our ultimate goal. 
we can find that in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he may become the firstborn among many brothers. So our goal, our main goal in Christian living is to copy Jesus and to to grow in the knowledge of grace of our Lord Jesus Christ until the fullness of Christ became fully operated in our life. Now, it says that repentance from sin will save us. And as we continue on the verse, in quietness and confidence shall be your strength. What is quietness and confidence? Quietness and confidence speaks for our faith. We know in Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11 verse 1, faith, let's read Hebrews 11 verse 1. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things we hope for, the evidence of things not seen. Our confidence before God speaks of our faith. And it says that our faith will be our strength. Why? Because as we believe God, we know that God will protect us. We know that God is always with us in our battle in life. And in overcoming sin, we know that the Spirit of God is with us. So, our faith then will be our strength. Now we see here that Faith and repentance cannot be separated. It goes side by side in our journey to salvation. However, the thing here is, instead of believing God and repenting from our sins, the last part on that verse is, you would not. Meaning, we cannot accept that. Many of us do not want that. But in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, if we read Isaiah chapter 30 verse 18 it says and therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you and therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you for the Lord is a God of judgment blessed are all they that wait for him the Lord is a God of judgment, and God wants us to wait for His return. Because only those that wait until the end will be saved. But as we wait, what must we gonna do? As we wait upon the Lord, we must or we must wait upon the Lord. And as we wait, repentance and faith must be our lifestyle we keep on believing god and every time that we unintentionally committed mistakes before the lord we repented to god so that must be our lifestyle because that is the quality of life that god is looking for his people and in isaiah chapter 32 verse 15 to 18 in verse 15 to 16, he said that until such time that the Holy Spirit is already at work in our lives, 
we are still let's read chapter 32 verse 15 to 18 until the spirit be poured upon us from on high and the wilderness be a fruitful field and the fruitful field be counted for a forest then judgment shall dwell in the wilderness and righteousness remain in the fruitful field meaning until such time spirit is already at work in our lives we are still unsearable to the judgment of god and righteousness is impossible for us so we need the holy spirit of god and in verse 17 and the work of righteousness shall be peace and the effect of righteousness quietness and assurance forever and my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation and in sure dwellings and in quiet resting place meaning if righteousness is at work in us, we have peace in every areas of our lives. It could be internal and external factors. In internal factors, our heart is at peace with God and we have confidence before God. And in outside factors, we know that we are being protected by God, either from men or from circumstances. And we know that our needs will be provided by God. And we also know that Jesus is the righteousness of God. So as we copy Christ, we are in pursuit of righteousness. And the fruit of righteousness is assurance of salvation. Now, how will righteousness work in us? In Isaiah chapter 33, verse 15, He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly, he that despiseth the gain of oppressions, that shaketh his hands from holding of bribes, that stoppeth his ears from hearing of blood, and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil. Meaning, righteousness works in our senses. So we must be careful in what we speak into, what we touch or handle, what we hear, and what we see. If we keep our senses pure, righteousness will fully take effect in us. If we only speak of, listen to, handle things, and watch godly things, we are inviting the Holy Spirit in our life. Only the power of the Holy Spirit can make us righteous. If we read Philippians chapter, or chapter 2 verse 13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do at his good pleasure. So it is the power of God, the Holy Spirit of God, gives us the capacity and desire to do the will of God. If we are righteous, God said in Isaiah chapter 33, verse 16 to 17, number one, God will honor our life. Two, God will protect us. Three, God will give us provision. Four, our eternal life is sure. Five, we will see God in His beauty. And six, we will enter the promised land of God for us. In Isaiah chapter 33, verse 8 to 9, And the highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, Though fools shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, 
nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereof. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. So, I want to leave you this afternoon, this verse from Isaiah chapter 35, verse 8 to 9. There is a specific way that the righteous is walking into, a path that any unclean person cannot go to. And if you go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 14, Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in there. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So the challenge of God for us today is which road we will go to. Remember, only narrow, the, the way to righteousness is a narrow road. And narrow means we are walking in it alone. Most of the time, we are walking in the path of righteousness alone. So if, even though if we are alone, will we still choose God? That's the question. And I pray, and I am, I pray that every one of us will meditate on this message. Will we still choose God? Or we will choose the world? Will we choose life or will we choose death? God bless you. Good afternoon. Anama?